I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 42. Want to learn from the top 5% of mortgage brokers in the country? Then you have come to the right place. Join Scott Peckford on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today. Camilo Rodriguez is a mortgage broker with Mortgages Lab. He's based at a Burnaby. He's been a broker for 12 years and speaks three languages, but promises he's going to talk in English to us today. Camilo, are you ready to rock? You betcha. Awesome. So can you just tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes. I um, came to Canada in 1997. I ha- I've had the opportunity to live in other countries, and uh, I'm telling you, living in, uh, in Canada, and especially in Vancouver, is, is awesome. It's, it's a great city, a great place. And um, I started working in my, my, my background is electrical engineering, so I started working in that field. But that wasn't my passion, so I started, I switched later to uh, financial, being a financial advisor. And uh, I was prospecting for insurance, and at that time, I... Uh, Met a uh, top producer at TD, uh, a great, great mortgage professional, one of the best in my opinion. And uh, Dennis Eagle, he was working for um, TD Bank, and we had a, a brief interview over lunch, and um, we ended up uh, ended up moving to TD, and that's how I started with mortgage. Uh, so I did that for three years, working with uh, basically new construction, and then I switched to a minimum lending center franchise origin, uh, and I worked there for a few years, four years. And I started my own company, Mortgages Lab, in 2010. Wow, that's that's your that's your how you kind of got there. And so it must have been. I mean, if you came here, you got a, you had a government job, and then to give that up to go into commission sales, that must have been. How was that uh, transition? Oh, it, it's always a, a huge. Uh, uh, you've got fears. You got lots of fears because uh, at the time I was I just recently married, so you you want to have some security. Uh, but at the end of the day. I've always had a philosophy, which is follow what I fear. So if, if I fear something, I know I have to do it because otherwise I will regret it <laughs> in my life. And I hate re- regretting things. So if I fear something, I have to do it. That's Have you ever jumped out of a plane? <laughs> Not yet. No? Okay, maybe because you don't fear <laughs> it. I, I, I fear it and I haven't done it. So, But that's, that's good advice. So be, before I dive into your story, I always like to ask about a success quote that's impacted your life or business. And I love quotes oh, because can, they distill an idea down into something that's portable and you can take it with you. So do you have a quote that's really impacted you? Well, I, I thought about, I think about this and I think it's related to what I just said. Basically, it is failure is never quite so frightening as regret. Uh, and basically, my my own life, what I one of the things that guide me always is when when I am ready to die, if I have the opportunity to reflect about my life, I don't want to have any regrets. So that's my biggest fears. Fear. So if I, so at that time, I just want to say, well, this is what I did, and I tried everything I can. I did the best I could, so I don't have any regrets. So I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Right. So you, it sounds like obviously the transition from being, you know, government employee to becoming a financial advisor, and then leaving TD to become mortgage broker. So is can you more recently though? Can you give an example of something that you were sort of feeling like, okay, I'm a little bit uneasy about this, and then you decided to do it anyway? Yes, well, in anything you do in life, um, as I tell my kids, at the beginning, it's uncomfortable. At the beginning, it's not easy. But if you do it over and over again and you try to improve every time, it will become easier. And then it will become, it become very easy to do, you know, things that uh, things for other people may be very difficult. So it just, uh, the, the first step is always having the courage to, to do something. But um, as I said before, if I don't do it, it's always in the back of my mind. 
and that you just need to do it regardless of the pain. That's what has, has gotten me a lot of years. Right. That's that's a really good way to live, though, because you're right. You look back and you're not you're not you. There's two types of regret. I've heard the type of regret trying and failing, which feels bad. But the other type of regret is worse is when you didn't even try. and You don't even know what would have happened. And so that stings more and lasts longer. So it sounds like you've every chance you get, you try to avoid, you know, that avoid that regret. Oh, and I agree 100 percent with that. And, and I've failed a lot of times. And uh, but always over time, when you get later in life and you reflect about about those things that you fail at, you if you reflect about them, you always find a lesson that you had to learn. So uh, at the at the end of the day, it's better to fail because you have learned lots of things and and that helps you, you know, in whatever you're doing at the moment. Right, that's good. I'd like to switch gears now a little bit and talk about failure. I know that me as a mortgage broker and entrepreneur, I've definitely failed at things, but looking back, there's always a lesson. So failure is not fatal. So can you share an example of something that maybe you had tried that didn't work the way you had hoped, but looking back now, there was a lesson in it for you? Well, one thing that uh, that I've always had to improve is that I am, for me, and I think for a lot of sales professionals, it's easy to say yes, and it's difficult to say no. And um, I remember um, one time where they really pushed me, like somebody was trying to push me into something. Uh, it was a, unfortunately, a, a real estate agent uh, kind of asked me, you know, about a letter of employment, what the letter of employment needed to say. And, and I go, well, <laughs> you need to say what, what the truth is, what is the income of the applicant. And uh, so, so, uh, so you get that, that feeling that, uh, you know, the documentation was not going to be proper. And uh, and I I went back with all my you know because you you don't want to lose the the, the realtor relationship but I went back to him and said listen if I have any reasons to believe that this documentation is not accurate or correct I'm gonna go back to the um uh you know to the uh, employer and and request for the confirmation or I'm gonna warn the bank that I have my doubts so he didn't of course he didn't like that uh, but I I stood my ground and. For me, it taught me a big lesson. It taught me a big lesson because um, it made me reflect about where my values are. Uh, and for me, that has got me a lot in the in my life. I just know what really, really, uh, truly your values are. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. That's that's great. You know, I always tell people, um, you, you can't trust somebody who will lie for you because you just think about it, you say, trust me, I'll lie for you because I just showed you how trustworthy I am by saying, I'll, I'll lie to them, but I'm going to tell you the truth. But I don't believe anybody, <laughs> if, if they'll lie to them, they'll lie to you. So you can't, you can't trust anything they say any after that. And value is something that is kind of old fashioned, but uh, maybe I'm getting older and I'm putting way more attention to them than before. But, but what really was really amazing is that that's a real estate agent when his own son wanted to become a mortgage agent, he phoned me up because he wanted me to train that person. Uh, and I think even though he never returned to the deal again in the future because of that, uh, you know, thing, he wanted his own son to, you know, to have values because they, everybody sees the, the, you know, the value of having solid values. Right. That's, all, that's pretty funny, actually. So I noticed that successful mortgage brokers always have systems and processes. They don't just kind of show up and hope for the best. And they're willing to adjust and tweak those processes to get a better result. So can I want to ask you about an administrative process or something that sort of works in the back office um, that maybe wasn't working as well as you would have liked. And then a tweak that you made and the outcome that you got. Can you share that with us? 
Well, I'm, I'm always um, kind of improving that area. It's, it's an ongoing process. I used to have some, uh, because my engineering background, some standard thing for everything. But right now, for example, I, I have two sets of administrative or, or follow-up systems. One that is short-term while the application is going live, uh, which is a little bit intensive and everything, and one that is long-term for either people who I do not do a mortgage with or for existing clients. So that helped me quite a bit on, on managing everything and and uh, and just getting a little bit of a, a, a changing mindset. Uh, I, I don't want to think I am doing transactions or mortgage transactions. I am managing accounts. So even if I may not win a deal today with a person, that doesn't mean that that we're not going to do, be doing business in the future. And, and in fact, by, by me trying to add value to that person all the time, even though I may not do the deal, in the future, that person comes back to me or send me referrals, which found in, in business, right? So it's just uh, having that mindset of always dealing with respect on people and try to work with them over the long term. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. That's uh, that's it. and being an engineer, obviously, you, you run everything runs on standard operating procedures. So you might as well take that mindset and philosophy and apply it to your business. And then uh, someone, one of the other guests I talked to a little while ago, told me they said, "Win the client, not the deal." And so, and I, which is exactly what you're talking about, which is this idea that you, you may not win every deal, but if you win the client, then that's you know that'll be more valuable to you long term because they become referral partners and you know use you in the future. So that's fantastic. Wow, I love that. Yeah, and I can't remember who said. I think it was maybe Dustin Woodhouse said that. So I'm going to ask now about a, a sales process because the same thing. There's obviously administrative, but there's sales and marketing part of our business. And so, can you share maybe a sales or marketing part of your business that wasn't working as well as you would have liked, and then an adjustment you made, and then the outcome that you got? Um, a sales system that was not working uh, very well. Mm. You know what? I I've, I've done so many things that have not worked. And at the end, um, you end up uh, by default, I think, doing the things that work. One thing that I, that I had to improve a lot is how I communicate with different people. So I'll give you an example. I, I did a mortgage for a 22 year old guy, a really nice guy, but he would never want to talk to me on the phone. So he would email me stuff and, and ask me questions. And I tend to pick up the phone and want to tell him or, or over the phone giving the answer because it was sometimes faster or better, but he would never pick up the phone. I would leave a voice message and then he would either email me back or text me. And then I would call him back and I, I was getting frustrated because he never would pick up the phone. But then I understood that his preferred way of communication was texting and an email versus phone. And so I always am trying to be mindful of what is the best way to communicate with a customer. Some other people may prefer all the time that I call them and tell them what to do, what's going on versus just sending them an standard email or text. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like the younger generation really likes the texting and, and that uh, like sort of electronic communication. But I, I, am, I like the phone call. I like to talk to someone because then if they have another question, they can answer it and you're not kind of playing away on your phone trying to answer long questions when a, fo- a three-minute phone call would solve it. But yeah, you do have to be mindful of your client and try to you know, serve them the way they want to be served. You betcha. That's great. So I've been hearing a recurring theme of the need to diversify income. And so I talk, there seems to be two camps. There's one camp that says, yes, you should diversify, get share of wallet. So you should be, you know, cross-selling other products like a bank. And then there's another camp that says, no, just stick to being a mortgage broker. That's enough. So I just want to know where you fall in that. And then if you are diversifying, what area are you focusing on? Well, you're right. There's two tendencies. One is diversifying income and another one is focusing on something. 
Uh, in my opinion, if, if I had to choose from the two, I would choose focusing because there's enough deals in mortgages to, for you to run, run out of hours in the day. So if you only stick to mortgages and do more and more mortgages, then, you know, your, your day's up and you don't need to diversify more income. Um, by the same line of thought, if somebody's, for example, think to become a mortgage or they're a mortgage broker and let's say they get another uh, license, uh, for example, a real estate license, I, 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 would, I would tend to think that it's very difficult to become successful at both because both require a lot of effort and energy and time. But if you are diversifying your income, for example, with insurance and you just start tweaking a little bit what you, how you can position insurance in, in your mortgage application, well, I, I would agree with that because that is kind of a upsell to what you're already doing. Right. So it's not, it's not like you're trying to, yeah. Okay. That's good. Good answer. And so then how do you run, you got 21 agents that work at your company, you've got your own mortgage practice. So how do you run your mortgage balance, your mortgage practice and family commitments? Uh, I, I don't have any secrets. It's just being organized. I think it's just being organized and knowing really what is important. I have to thank my wife for, for reminding me of what's really important. Uh, but for me, just uh, being organized and, and there's going to be conflict all the time between, you know, different areas. But uh, if you know before, before those conflicts arise, if you know what your priorities are, it will help you resolve those conflicts, right? You will always have the, the issue of going to uh, maybe to an event with your wife or maybe a presentation with your daughter or, or with your son. And maybe because you have, you have also a, an important meeting with a client at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Focusing on your priorities and, and being organized uh, will help you sort it out. Right. right. So, and being in it, having an engineering background and the planning side of it is probably helpful for you. And yeah, it, it helps a lot. And, and, uh, and uh, I think structure and organization is, is clear on anything you do in life. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I'm going to move to the rapid fire questions. So these you can answer with a little shorter answers if you like. So what is the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? Oh, in, in my opinion, is not being able to compete on anything else except rate. So if, if your only value proposition is rate, it, it potentially going to become very difficult for you in the, in the future. Right. And then what one thing or habit has made you successful? Um, my, in my opinion, would be discipline and, and courage. Uh, my, my dad always uh, kind of taught me that starting what starting is easy, but finishing is hard. So uh, courage is all about starting something, but the discipline is what's going to help you go through all the things that you need to learn to finish what you decided to start. Right. That's awesome. And do you have an internet resource, a software program that you make use to make your business more successful? Well, I, I mean, I'm in love with LinkedIn. I, I've been studying LinkedIn for, for about three years, and for me, it's, it's, it's huge. Uh, um, we would, you know, I can talk about LinkedIn for, for hours and hours. I, I even created a, a meetup group called the LinkedIn Masters, just to, uh, you know, for everybody who's interested in learning more about LinkedIn to, to uh, get better and to get more skills. But uh, for me, it's LinkedIn. I can do so many things, contact so many people, follow up with people, uh, open new connections, it's, it's amazing. Okay, so I, I said it's shorter answers, but I gotta ask you about this. So you do you use LinkedIn to generate bit mortgage business? Uh, yes, um, in fact, I just got uh, 
a fairly large deal. Uh, yeah. Our request at this time, we're just uh, in the initial process of a commercial deal. I never met the guy before. He's the CEO of a, of a major company here in Vancouver. He contacted me through LinkedIn and he just kind of saw my profile or saw my activity in a group that I was involved with and uh, he emailed me and we started the process. So, because uh, LinkedIn is something I use basically, I don't really use it for anything except for find sometimes finding people that I'm looking for. So, give me some tips on how you recommend somebody should use LinkedIn if they're trying to, to grow their mortgage biz. Well, one thing is, is going back to diversification versus focusing. So, when I decided to, to uh, learn LinkedIn, I, um, I had the following problem. I, I have a Facebook account. I have a Twitter account. I have a, uh, a YouTube channel. Um, I, I also have an account at Pinterest. So there, there's too many things. So I, I realized quickly that in the social media world, I needed to choose something. And I chose LinkedIn. And I've been studying for, for a number of years LinkedIn. So I tried to go into every paid and free webinar that I can get my hands on and learn new things. And over time, you be, I'm becoming better and better on LinkedIn. So if somebody has a question for me, I would be trying to find something on LinkedIn or, or having a strategy to, uh, to generate business. Uh, I've kind of developed some skills that help me do that on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, sometimes I don't know what I'm doing, but, but I get contacts for questions and things like that that generate business. So are people approaching you, are there questions initially just about how to use LinkedIn or they, is it, and then you're helping them with solve some LinkedIn issues and then they go, hey, wait a second, this guy's a mortgage broker and then you get mortgage business or, or how is that process kind of playing out? Well, uh, the issue is that on LinkedIn, in my opinion, a lot of people want to have a tactic and, and there's tons of tactics, but I, I work on, on a strategy. For example, a strategy might be... Um, Let's say you wanna you wanna focus on I don't know commercial deals, okay? If you wanna focus on commercial deals, you have to start initially thinking where uh, commercial owners may may be on LinkedIn, and then if it's a group, join that group and start adding value to the group. Put yeah, post things that are uh, had a lot of value to that group and start connecting with people and. Um, and uh, commenting on other posts that are relevant to what you're doing. And when you start doing that, you start to develop online relationships. And the next step, in my opinion, is take those online relationships offline. So at the, at the right moment, when there's enough value added or you know each other enough online, you can ask them for coffee or for lunch or for whatever and then go to the next step. So it's, it's, for me, it's, it's more of a strategy and a process versus a single tactic that that works or doesn't work. Right. It's not like you're sending out a, a spam or something, but you're just basically being there, being engaged, being in communities that are would have an interest in something that may you may be able to help them. And then over time, they keep seeing your name pop up in your profile. They're like, hey, wait a second. I need to check this. I need this service. This guy, I feel like I know him because I've seen him so many times. Then they reach out to you and you get business. Yes. And, uh, but before you do all that, the very first thing you need to do in LinkedIn, in LinkedIn is to have an extremely good profile because um, I found this is a, a, a very important difference between LinkedIn and Facebook. When I'm connecting with somebody on Facebook, if I go to a Facebook page, I have no idea about the person. Like professionally, personally, I may know that they've been in an airport or they've been in a coffee shop or their birthday or whatever, but I don't know much about the person. 
uh, on LinkedIn is totally different. The first, the very first thing anybody does on LinkedIn when when they see somebody in, in any area is check their profile. So they go to their page, and in their page they will see, you know, their professional connections, uh, the group that they belong to, their recommendations, their uh, everything. So you get a feeling of where that person is. It's like your first impression in front of somebody. Mm-hmm. So if you start working on LinkedIn and you don't have a, a well-designed and professional uh, layout, then it's better you, you don't do anything. <laughs> right. And so anybody listening, they need to, I'm going to put a link to your LinkedIn account. They need to go check your LinkedIn account out so that you know how to do it. Um, and then... Oh. <laughs> Well, that'll be helpful, right? I mean, it's a place to start. Obviously, the training is helpful and the courses you've taken. But if they want to get at least a sense of how a profile should look, that or pro, a thoughtful profile, they should go check you out. Yes, yes. I mean, the meetup group. I, I I do training sessions where I said this is what you need to do in order to create a professional uh, LinkedIn profile. So, uh, and what I've seen is that if you're serious about LinkedIn, you will do it. Uh, the issue is when you just want to get the information and. Uh, to create a professional LinkedIn profile, it's going to take you a few hours and, and you have to revisit that every you know, few months to upgrade it or whatever, right? So it takes a lot of effort and energy. And unless you, you know where you want to get, you won't go through that process because it, it's time-consuming and it's, and it's effort, right? Right. No, that's good. Good advice. So that was the short answer question, but it was very interesting to me. The LinkedIn, so I had to jump on it. Um, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? Well, uh, I, uh, I would recommend two books. One, one is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. It's a, it's a Mexican author. Uh, it's a, it helped me so much in business and in life. And the other one would be The Little Book of Contentment. And uh, if you allow me, I'll send you a link because this is a free download. So it's a, it's a book also about just being happy and successful on, on where you are right now versus where you want to be. Okay. So, yeah, send me that. That'd be awesome. And so here's the, the last question, which is one of my favorites, the DeLorean question. You ever watched the movie Back to the Future? Yes. <laughs> so remember the car, the DeLorean with the funny doors? Well, if, if I could set the, could put you in the DeLorean and set the time to your first day as a mortgage broker 12 years ago, and I said, okay, you're going to go back, you're going to talk to yourself, and you're going to give yourself three pieces of advice so that your business is bigger, so Mortgage Labs is bigger and better today, what three things would you tell yourself? One thing is, is um, we are all mortgage brokers are, are of course worried or uh, working towards a higher volume, which is sales. So I've always had in my mind that sales equals exposure times conversion, but I never had I never had that clarity. So exposure means exposing yourself to a lot of people, and conversion means if you expose yourself to somebody, is that going to be a, a paid business for you? Okay. So when I focus on those 22 things, exposing myself more and converting those exposures into paid business, uh, sales will automatically increase. Right. So that would be number one. Um, number two would be, uh, this is also an, an area that I've given lot, lots of thought. Um, in my opinion, there's three types of mortgage brokers that, that I've, uh, seen around. One would be people who base their value on, on the rate only. Uh, there's other brokers that work on strategies for the client. And the third one would be people who have been that trust with clients. So to be able to stay long-term in the mortgage industry, I think you have to deal a lot in strategies and trust. So going a little bit deeper on their mortgage need versus staying only at the surface level with the rate. 
Okay, so that's the second thing that I always have to remind myself. Um, and the third one, oh, the third one is is uh, is actually uh, I'm learning that from you, Scott, which is network with other mortgage professionals. Since I started Mortgage Lab and I've had the privilege of working with uh, great advisors, uh, for example, Sua Trung or Krista, Krista Klent or Robert or Boyko, I've learned so many things from them. Uh, mm-hmm. Carolina, my assistant, is gold. I, every day I learn one more thing from her. And just by working together as a community, uh, oh, it, it speeds whatever you're doing big time. Um, so uh, we should be talking, if you're with one network, it's uh, very cool. You should be talking to people at DLC or Mortgage Alliance or Mortgage Architects. Between all of you, there's so many perspectives and so much knowledge and uh, and professionalism that uh, that you you will go faster. At the beginning, I didn't do that. I would try to stay in my own cocoon mm-hmm. and I network with other professionals because I felt that were com- I was competing against them. But I now it's totally different. I'm not competing against anybody. It's just how much you can grow, uh, you know, and how much you can develop yourself. Right. That's really good advice. And I'm totally hooked on that. I'm convinced that there isn't a problem somebody's having in their mortgage business today that somebody else hasn't already solved. The challenge is figuring out, okay, how did they solve it? And where do I, you know, how do I, how do I tap into that um, problem that's already been solved? So you'd said three things, more exposure and conversions, focus on strategies and building trust, not on rate. And then the last thing was network with other professionals so that you could learn and share and get, uh, grow faster. Yes, 100%. You betcha. Awesome. Well, Camilo, I've really appreciated this interview and your time. And the LinkedIn stuff is totally new to me because you're the first person in 42 interviews that has said, hey, man, LinkedIn's rocks. So uh, anybody check <laughs> is going to have to check this out. So uh, how are you guys hiring at all? Yes, yes. we. Uh, I'm, I'm hiring uh, uh, brokers. Uh, the, the type of broker that would best fit mortgage lab would be somebody that is not happy at where they are right now and that they would like uh, perhaps to focus on, on areas that see lots of growth, such as mortgage renewals. Uh, I think renewals have tremendous opportunities and growth for anybody, and there is business for everybody by by tons in just focusing on renewals. Uh, that's something that I kind of have an expertise at and, and I love to do. Okay, awesome. And where can people find you online? Uh, just my, my LinkedIn profile or, or if they want to check out uh, the company website, mortgageslab.com. Okay, awesome. Well, Camilo, I really appreciate your time and I hope you absolutely rock the rest of your year. Thank you very much, Scott, for, for this interview. I really, really like it. Want to learn from the top five mortgage brokers in the country? Then you have come to the right place. Join Scott Peckford on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Beckford here. Have you joined our VIP club for mortgage brokers yet? If not, you're missing out. We share exclusive content not available on the web or the show. We share scripts, step-by-step guides, and other insider tips to help you save time and make you more money. I can't tell you how many times after I turn off the recorder, a guest starts sharing some awesome advice or a script or, or a tip, and I take the best of this and share it with my VIPs. If you want to get on the list, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. That's ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP. Oh, and one other thing, since this is exclusively for mortgage brokers, there is a skill testing question. Good luck, and I hope you continue to rock your mortgage biz.